that uh, uh, we feel like we've done an adequate job explaining all of it thus far, but uh, we have at least scratched the surface to give you the wonderful picture that the psalmist had of God uh, as, uh, by the way, the, the depth of David's relationship with God, I think, is continually seen in the Psalms. Um, if there is anyone who had a perspective on God's attributes, it had to be David, don't you think? And when we read through, I, I mean, uh, some of these psalms, just one psalm is a mar- Psalm 139, as it talks about how uh, God knew us in the womb and he fashioned us as we are, um, that God is with us every moment in Psalm 139. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Um, The penitent Psalms, all of these, every one of them expresses in powerful, in unique, in very different ways who our God is. And Psalm 147 is uh, as well just a, a treasure trove, if you would, of Uh, the wonderful greatness of the God we serve. And we've already read through the chapter, so uh, let's just pick up in verse 12 where we have the third section, if you will, uh, in this psalm where we're encouraged to once again praise the Lord. Follow along as I read. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise thy God, O Zion, for he hath strengthened the bars of thy gates. He hath blessed thy children within thee. He maketh peace in thy borders and filleth thee with the finest of the wheat. He sendeth forth his commandment upon earth. His word runneth very swiftly. He giveth snow like wool. He scattereth the hoarfrost like ashes. He casteth forth his ice like morsels. Who can stand before his cold? He sendeth out his word and melteth them. He causeth his wind to blow and the waters flow. He showeth his word unto Jacob, his statutes and his judgments unto Israel. He hath not dealt so with any nation. And as for his judgments, they have not known them. Praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah is a great word to use. It's a great word to think about, and it is the message of Psalm 147. It should be our message today, tomorrow, Thursday, and throughout the rest of the year and into the coming year and throughout the rest of our lives, because God is worthy to be praised. Let's ask him to give us understanding and help now as we take a few moments and dig into this portion. Father, we're so thankful for the word of God and the opportunity it gives us to just uh, reflect on who you are and how deserving you are of praise. And as we say every year, May we be people who give thanks all year round and not just at a certain time in the year. But thank you, Lord, for a week like this where we have opportunity to reflect and take some time and to think and to dig in Scripture and be challenged about the matter of giving thanks as we here in in Thessalonians and everything give thanks. And may we be people who do so for the glory of God In Jesus' name, amen. Missionary C.T. Studd got tired of hearing amen at the end of prayers. And so he started something with his congregation that is so fitting to the last five chapters of of the Psalms. He explained it like this. He said, 
We now use the word hallelujah instead of amen at the conclusion of a prayer. Amen was a very sleepy affair, something like the last moans of a dying cow. I fancy even the angels must have screwed up their faces whenever we said amen. Our hallelujah lends itself to enthusiasm and is something like the triumphant shout of a herd of hefty bulls of Bashan. Nobody can remain asleep long, for he is obliged to wake up at the end of each prayer because we say hallelujah. We've also adopted an improved form of finale after the benediction. I asked the people, is it not true that Jesus is coming again? And they reply, Jesus is coming. And then we all say, Hallelujah! Well, it's a regular raising the roof affair. I sometimes wish some of our dear old staid Christians at home could hear it. The shock would produce enough energy and enthusiasm to milk a whole herd of goats and make them give a double quantity. I love that. Isn't that great? You know, we could use a little of that enthusiasm in worship. Uh, and sometimes we do get into such ruts in the way we do things. We deal with in Jesus' name like it's kind of over and out. We're done now. Let's move on. And, uh, and Stide got tired of it and started to add this matter of hallelujahs. And hallelujah is certainly uh, an appropriate word. It's an appropriate word for the end of a prayer. It's an appropriate word at any time of any day in the week. Five chapters at the end of this book, though, focus on that hallelujah and, and, sh and share with us a number of truths. And we've already seen in this chapter, in, in each one of the sections of it, we've seen the requirement that we need to praise God. We've seen the reasons to praise God. And then we've kind of shared with you uh, what we should do, what should be the results of those things. And tonight, no exception, we'll do the very same thing. We'll look at the reason We'll look at our, and we'll look at the, sorry, the requirement, then we'll look at some of the reasons, and then uh, hopefully we'll just kind of conclude things. And it'll be a blessing to you as we think one more time about giving God praise. Uh, by the way, we've already learned that we're to praise God with energy and exaltation, right? Uh, we have already learned as well that we are to give an eye to and keep an eye out for God at work. We're always to be eyeing the fact that God is at work in each and every situation of life and every circumstance of life. And we need to be learning to praise the Lord. Um, we learn praise ye the Lord. We've learned sing unto the Lord. And in verse 12, we see once again, praise the Lord. But that is not the word hallelujah. So let me share with you the request or the requirement. If you were to look up the specific word praise here in verse 12, you would find that it's found 11 times in the Old Testament, has two meanings, and actually it seems kind of interesting because they almost have kind of separate ideas. One time, or one way this word is used, it means to still something, to hold something back, to calm it down, or to pacify. So you'll find in the Old Testament a few of the 11 times where it's talking about holding something back or pacifying or stilling something, calming something down. Now, that's obviously not the proper interpretation here because we've already been told to do it with enthusiasm, and we already know, hallelujah, you can't say without getting excited and without some enthusiasm. So uh, it's actually the second meaning, and we recently, I believe, mentioned it because it means, it's found in Psalm, Psalm 145, to address... In a loud tone, 
So in some instances, it means to sell, but in other instances, it means to address in a loud tone. Now, have you done that recently? Have you addressed in a loud tone the goodness of God? That's the idea. Praise the Lord in a loud tone. That's what God wants. That's what God desires. By the way, other words can describe the usage of this word in Scripture. Uh, to commend or to congratulate loudly with commendation or congratulations, I am commanded by God to praise Him. Now, you know, even tonight in testimonies, people gave commendations, did they not? Now, now, most all of it we direct, in fact, all of it we should direct to God because if God uses people, it's God who used them. Um, if uh, there were people who were given praise, it's ultimately uh, the fact that God has enabled or God has used them in that way to be a blessing. But the truth of the matter is we commend. We commend a child who plays a special in church. Uh, we commend an adult who does a special in church. Um, we commend people who do a good job at something. If someone uh, sings, if someone teaches a lesson, we're quick to offer words of praise. That's good and right. In fact, I would hope you do that, whether that's with your kids or whether that's with people who give their time to have a ministry and a blessing in your life. But think for a moment. Um, God daily loads us with benefits. If we commend people who hold the door for us when we walk into a store, if we commend someone for a job well done, should there be a day where we don't commend God? Praise the Lord tells us that with a loud voice, we are to commend or to congratulate God on a job well done, on who he is, on what he's accomplished, and what he's done in our lives. Whether it would seem to be negative at first or not, because God always does all things well. And so he encourages us in this passage. You know, you don't have to have great ability to commend God. You just have to be willing. Uh, I read a story just this past week about, um, uh, about a guy who was a miner, coal miner, uh, and he was a rather backward type fellow. But let me exp tell you the story behind it. Henry Hoffman was the director of admissions for the University of Alabama. In fact, he was in charge of the medical school. So anyone that was going to come to the medical school, Hoffman was involved in looking over the, the, all the things that they fill out, all the work that's done, and kind of making a decision in regard to who to admit and who not to admit. And by the way, uh, medical schools have some real strict and rigid requirements. In fact, it's hard in many cases to get in. And so uh, he was going over one. He said one of the finest reference letters he ever received in his life for a student was from a coal miner. Now, you wouldn't expect a guy who's gone over, you'd say, probably hundreds if not thousands of requests for students and has gone through all sorts of things to say that he received a letter uh, of recommendation, a reference letter, a letter of commendation from a coal miner. 
And here's what the coal miner wrote. Knowed this kid from the day he was born. He played with my kids, mowed my yard. I don't know if he has sense enough to make it in medical school, but I do know he'll be the kind of man I'd like to come here to take care of me and my folks. And that was it. But it so impressed Hoffman that he said it was the greatest recommendation letter he had ever received. It wasn't because it came from someone who was knowledgeable, someone who was well-educated. It was someone who knew and appreciated the person he was recommending. What encourages me about what God asks in Psalm 147 is that anyone can do it. Anyone who appreciates God. Anyone who observes what he does is willing to say something about it. Whether it comes from an educated tongue or an uneducated tongue, it means the same thing to God. Praise ye the Lord is with a loud voice giving commendation. God's been good. Now, you've done that tonight. You need to do it all year round. And we need to continually be reminding people. You know, I, I, I don't know if he can make it in, in school, but I know this. He's a good God. You know, I, we ought be people who are commending God all the time. So let's look at the reasons. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise thy God, O Zion, for he hath strengthened the bars of thy gates. We already took some time to look at this subject, and we mentioned the fact this was written to Israel because he was an Israelite. And an Israelite is telling God's people, this is what you ought to do. And so, uh, though he addresses Israel, there's things for us to learn. And the opening phrase of verse 13 tells us that God made Israel safe and secure in their cities. Now, here's the truth of the matter. I don't know if Israel always understood that. I don't know if they ever always saw that. But let me tell you something. The thing that kept Israel safe was not their walls. What The thing that kept Israel safe was not their warriors. The thing that kept Israel safe was not their great ability or their great strength because, quite honestly, they were outnumbered a number of times. In fact, we can go back and read about Gideon tonight, can we not? And how he went against with, 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 what, just a few men, in essence, against thousands and thousands of well-trained soldiers. And God wrought a great victory, didn't he? Because it's not by God, it's not by power my might, it's not by our ability, but it's God who indeed protects. And so uh, we could praise God and we ought praise God and some even did uh, tonight for the way he protects and he provides. Those two things are found in verse 13 and verse 14. He has strengthened the bars of thy gates. He hath blessed thy children within thee. Not only did he uh, collectively help the nation of Israel and the people uh, by strengthening the bars of their gates. That's a great, that's a great picture. Because how many people would have known that their, the bars of their gates were strengthened? unless God had told them. Am I right? By the way, this is something that, that we need to understand. Whether you and I are seeing it or not, God is still working. Um, I-65 had a terrible wreck just last Wednesday, wasn't it? As you were all coming in to church. 
Could have been 10 minutes later. Could have been earlier and someone coming home from work in our church had been affected. How many times have you come upon a, a wreck? I came in to work, I think it was a week or so ago, um, when we had that cold weather in a, a pickup truck um, right down here at Goose Creek Bypass, when it come, where it comes in, had gone off the road, flipped over, and it was obvious there was a police officer still there. It was obvious it had just recently happened. So why didn't I wake up 10 minutes earlier? Why didn't I? Why was I coming into office at that time? Maybe it was because God was God was protecting. A lot of times we may not ever know what God has done, but He's protecting, just as Israel could say He protects, and then He provides. He protected their home and their family, so He protected a nation and a people. He protected uh, their children and made their children uh, fruitful. Um, God protects in so many different ways. And he provides in so many different ways. In verse 13, he hath blessed thy children within thee. He maketh peace in thy borders and filleth thee with what? The finest of wheat. Provision. Provision of peace. Provision of food. Uh, God is, is so good. He is so good. Um, did you complain because you had leftovers this week? You ever thought about the blessing of the fact that uh, you could have leftovers? We, we forget, don't we? <laughs> oh, you're kidding. That again? <laughs> oh, man, I am so tired of eating. I, maybe, you've, maybe you've been there before. I would suspect perhaps you have, but the fact of the matter is, God's provided. God's provided abundantly. And he should be loudly praised for it. Got to do that to keep you up tonight. In verses 15 to 18, he controls. He controls the affairs of life. Um, look, if you would, he sendeth forth his commandments upon earth. His word runneth very swiftly. Now you say, well, wait a second. What is it talking about control? Well, actually it's tied in and it seems to be directed toward verse 16, 17, and 18. In other words, the idea is that God is in control of all the affairs of life, especially he deals with this specifically, the weather. <laughs> and even complain about the rain as you're driving in. Uh, he controls the weather. Um, he controls this world. He made it. He sendeth forth his commandment upon earth. His word runneth very swiftly. You know what God declares is done. You, you, you think about that? What God declares is done. And it's so picturesque. He giveth snow like wool. By the way, aren't you thankful that it wasn't snow? Man, we wouldn't have been here tonight if it was snow that was coming down, right? Just as you were heading into church. Um, you say, oh, that would have been great. We would have been sledding tonight. Yeah, but we would have missed this time, and we would have missed all those testimonies. God knew. But God scatters uh, 
He giveth snow like wool. He scattereth the hoarfrost like ashes. You see a beautiful frost when the weather changes in the in the fall. And uh, to see the the you know just the the touch of God. Um, he sendeth out his he casteth forth his ice like morsels. Who can stand before his cold? Who can? And then he casteth forth his ice like morsels. Or, sorry, he sendeth out his word and melteth them. He causeth his wind to blow and the waters flow. Lake freezes over in the winter. Thaws in the summer. Unless you live in Alaska, I guess. And all those things are done by the hand of God because he controls the weather. A preacher said this about the weather. After watching the weather channel on TV, uh, we changed our plans. A big storm was coming, faster than originally anticipated, and we took off almost immediately to avoid getting seriously delayed or driving on dangerous roads. It was one of the countless times when the weather changed our plans. Like numerous times that storms have delayed or canceled airplane flights that I was on, and because I travel so much, I'm a faithful viewer of the Weather Channel. It's really something to watch the weather form and move across the country, even across the world, and watch how often it surprises all of us, including the weather forecasters. Of course, they aren't random developments we're watching unfold on that map. Not for those of us who belong to the Lord of the weather. He went on. Over the years, I've been frustrated by the weather, delayed by the weather, canceled by the weather, held back by the weather, but increasingly, I'm learning to be amazed by the weather. Actually, to be amazed by the one who makes the weather. And may we be touched by that reality. Ice, wind, frost, the seasons, all are sent by God's hand. And isn't it true that we can complain about the weather so much? Oh, it's freezing today! Oh, it's so hot! So who are you complaining to? Beautiful day! Who are you praising? Amazing rain. What a God. Um, someone said this, gratitude is what always spoils life when it's left out. May we be people who give praise. And then, verses 19 and 20, close this. And I, I feel a, a, a shame that we don't have more time to deal with it, but he instructs. And what I mean by that is, the children of Israel had the wonderful privilege that, quite honestly, you and I have in a way that is unique. And what I mean by that is that except for God giving men the ability to develop a printing press, you and I would have to come to church to hear the word of God in, in all practicality. You understand that? You know why a church was so important? Well, it's, it was important because God said it's important. But... One of the reasons church was so important for God's people, especially in the, in the book of Acts, was because that was the only place where the word of God was. And they have thousands of copies. They can print off Bibles and sell them for six bucks. Um, the word of God had been diligently 
written by hand, and you went to church, and that was probably the only time you would see the word and hear from the word during the week. Um, we have a wonderful privilege, I, even greater than the children of Israel had. God gave them the word. God has given us the word and given us the opportunity to have it in our hands and take it home and to read it on a daily basis. Unlike, quite frankly, generations and generations had throughout history. Um, what a wonderful God. He showeth his word unto Jacob, his statutes and his judgments unto Israel. But the greatest truth is the fact that God gave us his word. And God has preserved his word. And we have it today. The very word of God so we know what God likes, what God doesn't like, what we should do, what we shouldn't do. And everything we need to know so that we can live a life that pleases God. Praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, that's a good way to end, isn't it? Let's try it one more time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. You're dismissed.